1: Welcome folks. Welcome again Southern California to SoCal Live on a Tuesday here on KKLA. I'm your host Jerry Schimmel. and for another couple of hours today I have the privilege of uh, speaking to you on SoCal Live and looking forward to doing it. Made my debut yesterday, had a lot of fun, had a blast with that. We had some great calls and hopefully today even better. Uh allow me, well, I don't need to do, everybody knows who I am, right? I don't need to introduce myself. Y'all know who I am. No? Okay uh quick intro long career in sports radio 20 years as a play-by-play guy in the nba i spent two years doing the minnesota timberwolves on the radio play-by-play and then 18 years in denver doing the nuggets and then i switched over to major league baseball spent a decade 10 years in major league baseball calling the colorado rockies i am not a pastor i'm kind of semi-retired now not a pastor they don't have that seminary degree But I am, folks, a crazy follower of Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is a commercial plane crash that I survived way back in 1989. I can't believe it's been 32-plus years since that event. It seems like it happened yesterday. In fact, one of my dreams the other night, it seemed like it happened yesterday. But uh, July 19, 1989, I survived the United Airlines Flight 232 crash in Sioux City, Iowa, 112 people died in that crash, including everybody around me, and it led me about a year later to make a decision for Christ, and it was the reason that I became a Christian. I was so far from this. I said this yesterday, too. This is the last thing 32 years ago I ever thought I would be doing. I loved radio, and I was in radio at that time, but Christian radio, are you kidding me? I was as far from that as someone could possibly be, no spiritual conviction whatsoever, and Jesus got a hold of me, and I became a different person at the age of 30, and here I am now, 62 years old, and still loving my life with Jesus Christ. I've written a couple books, one about my experience surviving that crash. It's called Chosen to Live, and then a couple years after that, I wrote a uh, evangelistic outreach booklet that uh, has really helped me to introduce people to Christ. It's such a non-threatening thing. I'm not here to, to pro- my, promote my book. I'm not even going to tell you the name of it, but uh, it, it, I just found out it's so hard sometimes to approach people and and not be threatening, and so I wrote this booklet, and I, it's... It, takes about five or ten minutes to read through it's something i could hand to people and say hey hey, take ten minutes and read this thing and and tell me what you think and it's been great that way uh family i've been married 36 years to my wife diane we have two kids our daughter is 29 years of age she has a two and a half year old uh, daughter with our son-in-law and she is 8.79 months pregnant right now she's due on sunday so with our second child that's going to be a boy we have a, a granddaughter already Ready. I have a son who is 22 years of age who's got a computer science degree. I talk to Ryan every single day, not to, just to talk to him because I have the computer questions and he answers every one of them, and I can't answer any of them. So you probably have some of that in your life as well. Maybe you have a child or somebody you can turn to when you're old like me and have computer issues. So that's my my recap. I I, I love radio. I had a chance in the NBA to to do TV exclusively, and I turned it down. I just love the the medium. I, I love the idea of painting the picture for folks and not having them have to rely on the video watching something on TV and then commenting on it more like a host than you are uh, on radio, less than a host you are on the radio. So I love this medium. And here I am after all these years doing Christian radio, which I always thought about doing and now have the chance to do. Well... uh like we like to do on this show, we try to hit the issues of the day, confronting Southern California, and, and America in general for that matter, from a Christian perspective. And I am told that there's just not a bunch of Christians listening to this show. There's not a bunch of believers talking to other believers on this show, especially SoCal Live. It is other people seeking, non-believers, atheists, as well as believers, as well as Christians that listen to this show. And I'm fired up about that. And I think that's one of my reasons that I survived that plane crash was to reach people who were unsaved like I was for 29 years before that plane crash and tell them about the gospel and tell them about the amazing work of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, the fact that we don't have exclusively Christians listening to this broadcast makes me fired up, makes me excited about what I'm doing today. All right, here's something I want to throw out there for you, a question for you. And I want you to, if you if, if you want to... Uh, give me a call. The number is 888-528-2557. Much easier, 888-LA-TALKS. 888-LA-TALKS. My wife and, had, and I had this discussion a couple of nights ago. And the question is this, and I am guessing, before I, uh, before I tell you what the question is, that I'd like you to think about and answer with a phone call if you want to, that this has probably been discussed on this show. I haven't heard it or I haven't heard that it was discussed on this show, but I'm guessing this question has been thrown out there. COVID-19. Why would God allow this virus? It has killed millions of people. By the way, folks, we're coming up on a million people dying of COVID-19 in the United States. I think we're about 885 right now. Last count, that was last night for me. So in a couple months, in about three or four months, we're going to hit that million mark. Let's hope that slows down a little bit, that rate but we're going to have a million people die from this disease just in the United States, millions across the world. Why would God, a loving God, allow COVID? Give me a call if you have an answer to that. If you think you do, 888-LA-TALKS is a number. A loving God whom the Bible says loves us with an incredibly deep and unwavering love who is for us, who wants us to live, he says in his word, a full and rewarding life, uh, God may not cause COVID, but he certainly has allowed it. Why is that? Why do you think God has allowed COVID-19? My wife believes, and I think she's probably the minority this way, she believes that it's the end, the signaling the end times, but she has said that for about 20 years now with some other things. So I don't know if she's right or not. She might be. So just doing some research and, and listening and reading around a little bit, I came up with five answers to this question. I want to get yours as well. Again, that number, 888-LA-TALKS. One is this, God's judgment on a fallen world. Possibility? Yeah, certainly it is. There has been that history in the Bible, in God's creation of the world. He has declared his judgment on a fallen world uh, more than once. Uh, The answer to that question? Possibly. But I know this. Disasters like COVID aren't always God's judgment. And you look at the Bible and find an easy answer to that, and that's the book of Job, where Job is described in that Bible as a blameless and upright man blameless and upright. I'm not blameless. You aren't blameless. Job was one of the, the greatest people on earth, the, the one of the best human beings that was living at that time, described as blameless and upright, yet he had great suffering. So God's judgment might be on a fallen world, but we know this. Disasters like COVID-19 affecting the entire world aren't always God's judgment necessarily, but he allows that. Number two, COVID-19 is allowed Because it's Satan's work, and at times, God allows Satan to work in our world. Go back to Job. Same thing. Satan pleaded with God to test Job, and God went along with that. That number two would be Satan's work. Number one, God's judgment on the fallen world. Number two, Satan's work. Number three, God is simply fulfilling his promises. Now, these are not my answers. These are what I came up with researching this question. Uh, In the Bible... It says, In this world you will have many troubles, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. That's John sixteen thirty three. Suffering exists, but we can have hope in the eternal life through Christ. God is simply fulfilling a promise to us, and the promise is this. In this world you will suffer. And man, I found that out. <laughs> I thought when I became a Christian at age 30, 32 years ago, it was going to be uh, easy and it's going to be a smooth ride and I'll just continue to grow as a Christian and everything will be great. I really had that thought. Man, I found out differently really quickly being a christian in today's society is really difficult and it's really painful. And if you're going to make that decision, and many of you know this already that I'm speaking to today, you're already there. You know what I'm talking about. It is not easy. If if you become a christian, a follower of Christ, you are going to lose something. You're going to lose a relationship Ugh. A job, a marriage, uh, your, your maybe your life. Some people, not in the United States necessarily, people are losing their lives over Christ. If you become a follower of Jesus Christ today, you are going to lose something. God says, you are going to have trouble, but he says, take heart. My son has overcome the world. That's number three, God is fulfilling his promise. Number four I've come up with is that God cares more about spiritual growth than he does about our comfort. He cares more about our growth with him than does about our comfort. So using COVID to bring us closer to him. I can kind of buy that one as well. And the fifth one, and again, this is not a scientific thing. This is research I did. I came up with these five answers as to why God would allow COVID-19. And number five is to humble us. The word humble or humility in the Bible is used 267 times, I found out. God wants us so badly, folks, to be humble. Suffering strips us of self-sufficiency and creates trust in God. When we're humbled, God is lifted. When we're brought down, God is brought up. All right, so those are five reasons why people these days, some religious leaders, some people just throwing their comments in, think that God would allow COVID-19. Let me run through them again. We'll get some calls here. God's judgment on the fallen world, Satan's work, God fulfilling his promises, God caring about spiritual growth rather than our comfort, and number five, to humble us. Number again, 888-528-2558, 888-LA-TALKS. Let's get to the phone and start with Tristan. Tristan is calling from Huntington Park, and uh, I want to put Tristan on first. Tristan, go ahead. You're on SoCal Live with Jerry Schimmel.
2: Thank you so much, Jerry. Appreciate it. Uh, You got it. Thank you for asking that question. One of the things I think that came to my mind as you were asking is the moments where I sat back and asked the same question was, I think the Lord is trying to teach us to consider the old. I believe that one of the things He has preserved is uh, His wisdom through the ages and generations, and it seems uh, my generation is so quick to cast away the, the aged and the wise, and so I think the data is showing that most of the folks that are older were very vulnerable to this, and I believe God wanted us to consider them, to not just leave them in the corner and kind of forget them. And so I think that one of the reasons that the Lord probably allowed this to happen is for us to relearn, to consider the old, to to visit grandma and grandpa. I remember hearing stories about people waving to their loved ones through windows because they wouldn't be allowed the senior, Mm -hmm. senior center home. And I think it's the Lord causing us to reconsider honoring our father and mother. I know it's tough for some folks too, because, um, uh, strange relationships but i believe society as a whole has perhaps forgotten to consider the old we have google wisdom and or oh, that's information at our fingertips but i think long gone are the days where someone say hey, let me ask my uncle my grandpa my grandma um something about those times or or something about life and just kind of causing us to pause and say hey uh how is how am I um, considering the older folks who are more vulnerable to this? Yeah. That's one yeah. of the reasons. I have a couple of others, but I think that's one of the reasons the Lord allowed it, is to, for us to not forget the old.
1: Yeah. I, I love it, Tristan. Hey, thanks for calling. I really appreciate that. Uh, I think you make a great point. Number one, you just made me think of something in that there's probably not one answer. Well, we know there's not one answer. There, there are multiple answers. And maybe this one is one to ponder. Uh, I have a good friend who is from Sierra Leone, from Africa, and when he moved to the united states many years ago and came with his wife he was shocked by the fact that we didn't live with our parents once we got married that in sierra leone and in japan and several other countries that's sort of the norm you just the grandparents live with you until they pass away and you take care of them in their old age because they took care of you earlier and Daniel, my buddy, was just shocked by this. like, I, I cannot believe that America doesn't do this, number one, and secondly, doesn't hardly pay attention to the elderly. So I, I don't know if it's a reason for COVID necessarily that God would allow COVID, but it, man, does make you think a little bit. I have a good friend who uh, is uh, somebody that, did business, uh, that I did business with, that I know somebody that did business with. She lost both of her parents to COVID, and one was 85, one was 86, and they died within two months of each other. They both got the disease at the same time. They, one gave it to the other, and they died about four or five months later. And uh, I think about her when I think about this attention we seem to not pay to the elders in our lives, the elderly in our lives. And I think about her, and she said this to me. She said, one of the regrets I have is that I just didn't spend more time with them before they passed away. We said everything. We we said all all that needed to be said. Every time I talked to my parents for the previous ten years, the last thing I said was, "I love them," but I wish I would have spent more time with them. And and I don't know necessarily moving in, but she she does that have have that regret. And they have a, had a wonderful relationship. So Tristan, thanks for that uh, that message. I think it's something to ponder for sure. Our number again is eight 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 L A talks. We're talking about why God would allow COVID nineteen, and it's such a difficult question because. I think there are many answers to it, and I think that there are probably multiple reasons for it. People ask me all the time, why do you think you survived that plane crash? And there's never one answer that I can give that is satisfactory, that just kind of takes care of everything. I think one of the reasons I survived the crash was so I could do this, so I could tell people about about Jesus. And when I look back at that plane crash, here's kind of what I see today. Uh, and for 29 years, folks, I was so far from a Christian, it was just pathetic, But and I made fun of Christians, and I was, uh, I, I was not a good person. I was all about myself, but uh, when I look back on it now, here's what I see. I see God saying to me, Jerry, I finally got your attention. After all these years, it took a plane crash, and people around you dying in a plane crash for me to get your attention. And now that I have your attention, I want to tell you about my son, and more importantly, I want you to spend the rest of your life telling other people about my son. That's one of the reasons I I survived that plane crash. So I could do this. I could talk on the radio and tell people about Jesus and discuss these types of things about why God would allow COVID. And it's not the only reason I survived the crash, but it certainly is one of them. And there are probably multiple reasons why God would allow COVID-19. Again, the number, 888-LA-TALKS is our number, 888-528-2557. You got a thought on that? Why would God allow COVID-19? We have a loving God who, in the Bible says, loves us incredibly, unconditionally, unwaveringly. It's a love that's so deep we can't even comprehend it. If that is the case, why would God allow so much suffering with COVID-19? Millions of people have been affected. Tens of millions have been affected, and millions have died around the world. And like I said, we're coming up on a million here. Here's what else I read about this. Uh, The question of why God would allow suffering. It is one of the top three reasons why we have atheists in this country. I read this the other day. Number three reason, I forget the other two, but one of the top three reasons is for atheists, they do not believe a loving God could allow so much suffering in our world. And therefore, they believe that a loving God cannot be a loving God because there's just too much suffering. So they just, it's gone from, from their, their system. There is no God in their life. And I have a I have a family member that's in that group. It is one of the reasons that people do not believe in God, that they're atheists, because they do not believe that a loving God would allow so much suffering. And now that's just reinforced, isn't it, with covid I, I believe it is anyway. Uh, I had a, a good friend who was gosh, she was a uh, a pastor. He was going he was going to seminary school actually, and went to Africa on a trip on a missionary trip, and came back and just disavowed his faith. He dropped out of seminary school and said there cannot be a God because there's way too much suffering in this world, especially in the country of Africa. Took a trip. I took a trip to Haiti, and I kind of felt some of the same pangs when I got back from that. So and. Also, this is an interesting story, too, and I think it correlates a little bit. Uh, I I was invited to speak several years ago at a business convention in L.A., and one of the other speakers besides me was a guy named... I think I have this name right. I should have looked this up before I came on, but I think it's Jack Van Fleet. And Jack Van Fleet was a Holocaust survivor. And I don't know about you, but I've always been enthralled with the Holocaust. I just I've been infatuated with it. I just... Can't believe when I first read about it when I was a youngster that that someone could possibly treat someone else like that, and six million people could be murdered like they were during the Holocaust. It it just fascinated me. It made me sad, obviously, but it fascinated me too. As how can that possibly happen? Jack Van Fleet was a Holocaust survivor, and he gave his story. and He has a book. I think it's called. I should look this up. I, I think I have this right uh, did God go on vacation or when God, I think it was, did God go on vacation? And he tells his Holocaust story of, he somehow was able to get out of the barracks and get to the (sighs) graphic, the pile of dead bodies. And he faked like he was dead, took clothes off and kind of immersed himself in this pile of dead bodies. And then when it turned dark, when darkness came, this pile was uh, a little bit outside the camp, but, uh, within the boundaries of the camp, but it was away from where the guards could, could see. And he hid in this pile of bodies. And when the darkness hit, he was able to escape. And he wrote a book about this and he gave me one of his books and, and I read it and his whole idea and the idea behind the title of the book was, all right, uh, I don't believe in God because he could not allow suffering like he did. He could not allow the Holocaust. And, did God go on vacation this is the name, the look, I just looked it up. I just found it. Did God go on vacation? He believes there cannot be a God because he allowed so much in suffering. We can kind of get a taste of that, can't we, with COVID these days, with COVID-19. If there is a loving God out there, why does he allow suffering like this? All right, I'm going to finish up this segment, and, and let me do so by saying this. I have the answer. <laughs> I have my answer, and here's my answer to why would God allow COVID? My answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I think that's where a lot of people land, don't you? We don't know that for sure. Uh, and I think about, I thought that it said every single day since that plane crashed 32 years ago, and that is, why did this thing happen? Why was I on that plane? Why did 112 people die? I want this little boy sitting in front of me. He's 18 months of age. I'm 29 at the time. He's got his whole life in front of him. I measured this one time. This is how crazy I got with this crash, but I measured the distance between the seats at one time, and it's two and a half feet. So there's an 18 month old boy sitting two and a half feet from me. We hit the ground. He dies. I come out without any serious injuries. Why was I on that plane? Why did that little boy die? And I survived. Why did 112 people have to die? Why can't we just land that plane safely and us walk off and, and get uh, rebooked and our lives go on? And I don't have the answer to that. I've just i I've never come up with the answer. And when I realized I would never have that answer, I stopped asking the question so often. Maybe that's where we're at with COVID right now. Maybe we just don't know. Because God says his ways are not our ways He thinks differently than we do. We can't comprehend what he's thinking and what he's doing, what he's designing in our lives. Maybe, folks, we just don't know. Maybe that's the best answer we can come up with. All right, we'll finish up this segment. I got a question for you, and that's this. Would you turn down down $30 million if you felt it was God's calling that you did? We're going to take a break and come back with a man who did exactly that. This is our Tuesday edition. Stay with us. This is SoCal Live. Wilbert, our producer, well done, by the way. I was just seriously listening to that song in my car on the way over to the radio station here. Uh, Jerry Schimmel here with you on SoCal Live on this Tuesday afternoon. I go back to that last segment and want to ask the question, and it's a it's a good one because I asked myself it after I taught this man. Would you give up thirty million dollars to follow what you thought was God's calling? There's a man that did that, he's a football player. Go Rams, by the way, right? Uh, Napoleon Kaufman, I don't know if you're a football fan, sports fan. If you are, you might remember that name. Napoleon Kaufman, I mentioned this yesterday because I was going to talk about it today, is a former Oakland Raiders running back. He is from Southern California. He played uh, college football at Washington, and by the way, the idea of him going to Washington when he tells the story of how they recruited him and how he signed there because he was the the number one running back in high school in the country his senior year, and he said they tricked him. They said the weather was good up there. Anyway, Napoleon Kaufman was an all-pro running back for the Oakland Raiders, a terrific player, one of the best running backs in the game. At the age of 28, in the prime of his career, Age 28, 29, 30 in the NFL is the prime of your career. You're right there. It's your chance to make big money. At the age of 28, six years into his Pro Bowl career, Napoleon Kaufman walked away from football because he said the Lord was calling him to do that. It's an incredibly powerful story. And I want to start with this. And I had a chance to interview Napoleon a couple of months ago. Fascinating story. Let me play some clips from that first question i asked him was his and we'll get the response here the story of his coming to christ listen in folks this is really powerful well
3: you know i wasn't raised in a christian home per se i mean i think our my my mother and my i was raised in a single parent home Mm -hmm. just my mother um i didn't really have any contact with my dad at all and so growing up every, I would say we were kind of CME Christians. You know, we would Mm -hmm. Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter, Mm -hmm. we'd visit a service. But other than that, we didn't go to church on a week-to-week basis or weren't a part of a local church, per se. And so I didn't really grow up around the things of God. Every now and then, a a teammate of mine or a friend of mine would invite me to church, or a pastor would see me or something like that and talk to me about God. But i I wasn't really walking with God and so uh going into my second year in the league during training camp I had a teammate of mine who who ministered to me I could feel God like drawing me I knew something was going in my life um and I and I needed to make a change you know I'm a first round draft pick I'm my my career is just blossoming right before my eyes but when i would go home i just knew like something's wrong with me mm-hmm. you know i got everything i got money cars i mean i got a, a you know I, I i just something wasn't right Yep. and so what i did was is i started kind of like i was like on a quest like what is mm-hmm. going on you know my life i mean where am i really headed it's like i got all this stuff but is this is this it? Is this the whole life? And so I was out on the football field in Napa at training camp, and one of my teammates named Jerome Davison, who was a who was a um, a Christian, and he was my fullback. He came to me on the field at training camp, and he said, "Hey Napoleon," because I was over there messing around with some of my teammates and stuff. He said, "Hey Napoleon." He said, hey, man, you don't even look like the type of guy to be out here cussing and acting crazy like the rest of these guys. He said, man, don't you know God can use your life just like that? Wow. And when he said that, it was like I almost got offended. I was like, man, who you think you're talking to? You know, mm-hmm. and and uh, he said, don't you know God can use your life, man? And he didn't say it nice he did not say it, Nigeria, <laughs> and and I and I went back to my room, and I after practice, and all I kept hearing in my head was, "Don't you know God can use your life? Don't you know God can use your life? Don't you know God can use your life?" I just kept hearing that, and then, I knew enough about Jesus that I knew that you needed to repent and give your life to Jesus. So right then and there. I just got on my knees all by myself in my room and I just asked the Lord to come into my life. And I, and I just, I repented right there in the, in the hotel room at training camp in Napa. And I, and I got up and I, and I went to bed and I got up the next morning and I saw Jerome and I said, Hey man, I said, last night I said, I gave my life to Jesus. He was like what i said i said yeah i said I, and i'm serious man i want to change my life i i need god in my life i I need to change my life i want to i want god to change my life i want god to change my life i said i i i need to i want to i want to go in a different direction he was like you serious i said yeah i said man so um what do i do now you know he said well So in the in the hotel back then, they would have Bibles in the, uh, you know, Gideon Bibles and stuff. So I just grabbed the Gideon Bible and started. And then so he just started discipling me basically for six months while we were playing football. And then um, and then I got plugged into. The church that he was going to in Sacramento. And uh, Pastor James Davis basically took me under his wing and just started ministering to me. And then from there, I just I have never looked back. Wow. wow! I've never looked back. And so it's been, you know, almost 30 years or whatever it is. I've never looked back. And so um, that's how I gave my life to Christ. And and I tell people when I gave my life to Christ, I meant it. You know, I was serious Mm -hmm. and I didn't come with any I didn't come thinking I knew everything, you know, or anything like that. I, I came as a blank slate saying, you know, I know who the Chiefs are, who the Raiders are, who, you know, the Broncos are. I know what plays to run against them, but I don't know this. I don't know this Bible, so mm-hmm. I need somebody to help me. And so, so those people uh, there were, were a blessing and helped me to grow in my faith and my walk with Christ. And then from there, I just, I just took off.
1: Part of a conversation I had with Napoleon Kaufman, the former running back for the Oakland Raiders, who had this incredible coming to Christ. How about that powerful story? A teammate right in his face uh, on the practice field. Next question I asked him was, was there ever a doubt after you became this crazy follower of Jesus that you'd ever go into the ministry?
3: No. You know, I, I really, early on in my Christian walk, I really it really became clear to me that uh that football was kind of a means to an end mm. and that uh that God had a greater purpose for my life and that was to be you know was to go forth and preach the gospel and uh, to do what I'm doing now so and I I really early on in my like I said in my walk with Christ I I just saw that I had a call on, on my life to to minister the gospel and mm. to uh and to lead God's people mm. so yeah that's that's basically in a nutshell, you know my perspective on it all, because people ask me sometimes, you know, you know exactly what you just asked me, and I just say, hey, you know what? To me, it was a it was a matter of it wasn't a matter of reason. It was just simply a matter of, of obedience. I knew God had called me to do what He had called me to do. Mm-hmm. So, I just, by the grace of God, have stepped out in faith, and it's been it's been amazing.
1: <laughs> And the former uh, Oakland uh, Raiders running back is telling this incredible story. So he gives his life to, life to Christ. He knows he's going to go in the ministry. And then he decides to retire from football at the age of 28. I asked him about that decision.
3: You know, what happened, Jerry, was I, I just really, I, I, I the call of God chased me down. Mm-hmm. It, it chased me down. Love you it. You know, so... I started to realize, just like I said in the very beginning, that uh, that God has something greater for me to do. And so and that's just for me, you know, for me to do. And so I, I uh I started really, really wrestling with God. Mm. You know, I, I started feeling like 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 my passion for football was being overtaken uh by my my uh my passion to do the will of God in, uh, in serving God and his church and his people. So I, I just really started wrestling them with that. And I can just remember like my last year in the league, we were playing against somebody and they were introducing us. And I looked up into the stands and I saw all these people right before they're introducing me. And then I started tearing up mm. like my, my, you know, and there's seventy thousand people, sixty thousand people in the stadium, and I'm looking back into the black hole, and my heart is more bent towards like ministering to them than playing in this uh, game. Wow! And my art, and my, I just started tearing up right there on the field, and in that moment, I just knew that God was saying, you know, it's it's time for you to focus on 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 uh, on something different. Uh-huh. So my passion for the game, it's like God kind of kind of sucked that away. Mm-hmm and and really gave me a passion to, you know, serve people with the gospel.
1: So Napoleon Kaufman is 28 years of age, in the prime of his football career, and he decides to retire. He just heard the story, he looks up in the stands and thinks, you know what, I, I need to, to reach these people. They're lost. What a story. And he told me later, and we we don't have this cut, but he told me later in that interview that his agent figured out that He was coming up on free agency. He was worth at least $30 million in his next contract, and that was going to be a four- or five-year deal back in in the 90s. He's leaving $30 million on the table. Final question I asked Napoleon Kaufman was, if someone might feel the stirring or hear the call of Jesus in their life, what should they do? If someone is in the boat that you were in when you were a raider and you had something stirring in your heart. Like, my life is not enough. I've, I've got gifts and I've got a great family and a job and I have money on this, but there's something missing. If you come across that person or that person is listening to this broadcast and has that stirring in his heart, what would you say to that person? I would tell them to seek Jesus Christ. Yeah.
3: Seek Jesus. Because he is... Um, At the end of the day, all of us are going to have to stand before him. And God has a purpose for your life. You're not just here on this planet to live and to die. You were created for a purpose and on purpose. And the Lord has your times in his hands. And he wants to give you um, revelation and insight and control concerning your plan. I never would have dreamed that I'm doing what I'm doing now until I made a decision to stop, to repent of my sin, to seek his face, and then he started unveiling his plan. And to this day, I still am in shock that I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's such a blessing. Mm. It's such a blessing.
1: I love testimonies. I absolutely love testimonies. And what a powerful this one was. Napoleon Kaufman, former NFL running back and all pro in the prime of his career, he follows God's call to become a minister. He is the pastor of a church in Livermore, California. It is bursting at the seams, and he has never looked back. What an incredible story. So I want to throw this question out to you as as well. We'll take a break here, and you want to call during the break. Love to hear from you. 888-LA-TALKS. And that question is the same one I threw out earlier. Would you give up $30 million to follow God's calling? After I interviewed him, this is a couple months ago, I thought, you know, maybe if I was Sam, I would have kept playing and made the money and still kind of done the ministry thing and led the Bible study with the team or something like that. The Napoleon cop said, no, no, I'm walking away from football because there are more important things I want to do full time. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe I could do it part time and still make the millions. How about you? Would you give up $30 million, at least? That's what the agent said he was worth at least on the market, $30 billion to follow God's calling. I don't want you to be serious about this because I am too. I would have found a way around it, I think, or at least I would have tried to. 888-LA-TALKS. you want to call in during the break, you can certainly do that. We'll take this break. It's a Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues after this. Welcome back, folks, to SoCal Live. I'm Jerry Schemmel, your host today on this Tuesday afternoon. You just maybe heard the lyric there, better days ahead. I do believe that. I believe we're going to get through COVID, better days are ahead, and we learn from COVID as well. Our number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Love to hear from you in this segment. We'll hit a couple of things again like we've already done. One is the question, would you turn down $30 million if you felt God was calling you to do that, go a different direction, leaving that money on the table, getting up from that $30 million pile of money on the table and going the opposite direction, which is what Napoleon Kaufman did after six years in the NFL. I, I got the TV on here in the studio, and they're they're covering Tom Brady's retirement. He played 22 years in the NFL uh, at the age of, what is he, 40, 42 or 44, I believe. Uh, and was still playing. Napoleon Kaufman retires at age 28 because he felt the call of God to become a pastor, which he has done. And like he said, he has never looked back. The other question we have is, why would God allow COVID? A loving God allow COVID to hit not just our country, but the world and cause so much pain, so much suffering, and so much death. That number again is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Let's get to the phone line and talk to Edward, and uh, let's put him on first. Edward, you're on with Jerry Schimmel on SoCal Live. Okay, I think he's on hold for a moment here. We're going to bring Edward up in just a moment. And again, those questions, would you leave $30 million on the table? And I convinced myself I would find a way not to do that if I was Napoleon Kaufman and why does God allow COVID? So many different answers to that one as well. All right, let's get to, to Edward now. Edward, thanks for calling in to SoCal Live.
4: Yes, sir. How are you today?
1: Doing great, Edward. How are you?
4: It's the best day of my life, and thank you for asking.
0: Good. Why is I the best day of your life? It.
4: Well, because January the 10th, 1971, I died and Jesus Christ came alive in my life. Yeah. And now it's him who's living his life through me. That's why in every day it should be. I'm not affected by what goes on around me. Nice. Did that make sense?
1: Yeah, makes total sense to me.
4: You see, so I, because I've already read the Scripture, I know what's going to take place, and I'm yeah. equipped. And that's yeah. the problem is most people are not equipped, and most preachers are not equipping people for the future. And that's why Matthew's 24, 6 through 14, and Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, roughly— Tells you what's going to be going on. So every day, I'm excited. I'm looking for Jesus to burst through the clouds any day. Mm.
1: And that's I love my that. Name. I love it. Hey, you and, celebrated your anniversary, right? January 10th, not too long ago.
4: That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right, like January the 10th. And you know what? I'm not religious. And that's what I'm calling in about is that <clears throat> I am a preacher. I was called from my mother's womb. It's not a situation where I acquired this along the way. It's been in my heart all my life, but I didn't know how. And I went to local buildings, but they didn't equip me. You see, but but in 1970, I was dying, and medical science couldn't reach my case. Mm-hmm. I dried up from a 36 pants to a 27. Mm-hmm. But then, what happened is I was terrified to die. But then Jesus came in. And he illuminated my mind, and I asked him, I said, Lord, if you heal my body, I'll serve you when I, when I get well. He says, no, you got to do it right now. <laughs> and I started serving him, and as I started serving him and started studying the Word of God, then in 1974, 1971, 74, I accepted my ministry. <laughs> you see, but I had to be equipped now What has happened is God has used me all these years. And in Southern California, see, I don't have a color. My body is brown, but I don't have a color. None of us Mm. do. Mm. And in Southern California, no, there's no other brown bodies did what I did for 35 years. And I sold to all your major chain restaurants, Norm's, Denny's. I had trucks went from here to Bakersfield, Palm Springs, all around Bakersfield, everywhere. But you know what happened is I could have cheated the people, but I don't see that I gave up anything, because he said, "Who yeah. so oppresses the poor reproaches his maker," and so that brings cast aspersions against your God. So this guy didn't give up anything. I didn't give up anything. I could have I made millions, but I don't mm. see it as that way. But I'm a very rich man in heaven because there you, you know what? I don't sell anything.
1: Yeah. And you so turn down. Thing to... is this. Yeah. Go ahead.
4: Beg pardon.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead.
4: So, therefore, I don't put any emphasis on that. Yeah. You see, because she's not given anything. And if you read, see, pardon me, Jeremiah 1 5, he says, he says, he knew me before he formed me in the womb. He, he, he sanctified me and he ordained me. This guy is no different than anybody else. He just got a position in the mosaic. And I'm not surprised, and nobody should be surprised at where they are. If you study the Word of God and the preachers equip you properly,
1: all right, you Edward. know that you're. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you go, my man. But I I appreciate you calling, and I I so hear you. And Ed, Edward made me think about a couple things. Number one, I had a, a a good friend, a pastor, tell me this one time that if you don't know if you're saved or not, if you can't pinpoint the day and time where you gave your life to Christ, you probably are not a Christian. You probably have not made that decision. Uh, Edward obviously did. He knows the date and, and, uh, and the year, obviously. And he just celebrated anniversary on January 10th. If you're wondering about that yourself and you can't go back and pinpoint that moment, maybe you should think about that a little bit more. Just talk to somebody. It brings back this memory too. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to somebody and I asked him, you know, when did you become a Christian? He said, Well, I've always been a Christian. I've always not had Christ. I'm like ah, maybe, but maybe not. If you can't pinpoint that date, maybe you should think about that. Maybe, maybe you're not that way. And I loved the the energy. He went off a little bit in a tangent, but I, I loved the energy uh, for Christ that Edward had in that phone call because he's he like he said, not afraid of anything he 's not afraid to pass away, and I think when you become a believer like that, where you know the end game, you know where you 're going with this earth don 't have it you don't have that fear you don 't have a death wish as a Christian, but you're not afraid of that and I said this yesterday uh when I became a christian, I, I thought, my gosh why didn't I do this earlier why didn't I listen to Somebody in my life that's trying to tell me about Christ, and I could have avoided all this pain in my life. And now that I have Christ, it is, man, what an amazing way to live. I know exactly where I'm going to leave this earth. I know that I have all my sins forgiven, every single one I've ever committed, every single one I ever will. Wipe clean, God says. I'll cast it as far as the east is from the west. I'll put it in the bottom of the deepest ocean. What an amazing way to live. But better yet, for all of us, What an amazing way to die. Knowing where you're going to go, you're going to heaven and have eternal life with God. That's amazing stuff. All right. Uh, We've got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Again, the number is 888-LA-TALKS. We've got some great discussion going about uh, money with Napoleon Kaufman. We thank him for sharing his story. And if you're a football fan, you probably remember Napoleon Kaufman. He probably had some great games for you if you're a Raiders fan and against you if you're somebody else's fan, like the Broncos, like I was. He used to run up and down the field on the Broncos and, and really take care of business against the Denver especially. But what a story that is. And... A couple of things that he didn't talk about that we just didn't have time to get to are also fascinating, and, and one of those was he, after we retired, had all kinds of teams. He said every single day calling him and wanting to come back, and he said no to everybody. And he said that number, that $30 million, that kept going up because his agent put that price tag at $30 million thinking that was what he was worth on the open market, but then he had these teams calling him calling his wife, he said, <laughs> trying to get through to him to see if they could, she could talk some sense into him and, and, and really throwing more money than $30 million out if he'd come back and play. And everybody kept thinking that Al Davis steered him in the wrong direction or they got into some kind of rift and he left because he didn't like Al Davis. He said, I loved Al Davis. Al Davis is always great to me. I didn't want to play football anymore because I wanted to follow the call of Christ in my life. And I thought that was, that was just incredible. He had, for years, he said for about four or five years after retired, he had teams calling him all the time. He said after he announced his retirement, he had teams, general managers, agents calling him every single day for a couple months, and he said the same thing. And he said after a while, I just kept thinking, maybe I should just put this message on a recording and let the answering machine <laughs> uh, answer and give them the message, no, I'm not coming back. I'm retiring. I'm following God's call. What a great story, isn't that? It's a, it, it's one of many. There are many, many out there. And, and like I said, I love testimonies. I love stories. And uh, I said this yesterday, too. I talk about this plane crash a lot because it's such a part of my life. But everybody's got their own plane crash. And when I talk about mine, I'm not trying to degrade, downgrade yours. Everybody has their own plane crash. Some of it might be worse than what I went through. Some of it might be a little bit easier than I went through. I hope that is the case. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about hospitalizations in America. Hospitals are filling up with COVID-infected people who are not vaccinated. Your thoughts on that? We'll talk about that when we come back on SoCal Live.